Hey, Lessonators, welcome back to What's the Lesson? Today, we're taking you on a creative journey into the heart of education, where the mind, soul, and compassion come together to transform learning. Picture a classroom where stepping out of the comfort zone is encouraged, where mistakes are embraced as a part of growth. Well, our guest today, Laura Bean, is an educator like no other. With over 30 years of mindfulness experience and a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing, Laura's journey spans continents, from the vibrant New York City classrooms to workshops in Japan. Laura's innovative Right to the Core, that's W-R-I-T-E, is a curriculum that fuses mindfulness and literacy, empowering students to excel academically while teaching students how to quiet the mind and use writing as a tool to express their feelings. Laura's contributions have shown on prestigious platforms. She's been honored at UC San Diego's Mindful Youth Conference, and her work graces the pages of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science magazine. So whether you're an educator who's shaping minds, a young writer finding your voice, or a parent simply curious about the power of mindful education, you're in for a treat. Join us as we unravel the wisdom Laura Bean has gathered on her remarkable mission to create more social emotional learning inside the classroom. Get ready to explore education redefined. Let's dive in. Welcome to What's the Lesson, the podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the world of character development. We're Jill and Mary the dynamic duo behind Girls Mentorship. We foster self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-awareness for tween and teen girls, along with their invaluable network of supporters through events, resources, and mentorship. Picture us as your coaches, walking alongside you through the world of social-emotional learning, and think of this podcast as your own personal roadmap. We'll support you in discovering obstacles that might be holding you back, and gain clarity on why this work is a game changer, not only for your growth, but for the next generation of leaders as well. Alongside our fantastic guests, we're here to share knowledge about how you can change old patterns of behavior and make sense of those WTF moments, shifting them into lessons that can drastically improve your life instead. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a superhero stay-at-home mom, or someone fueled by boundless curiosity, our mission is crystal clear. To supercharge your emotional intelligence and sprinkle the magic of SEL into every corner of your life. What's going on, Lessonators? Welcome back to the show. Jill and I are in the thick of podcasting right now, and we're excited for you to tune in to another one of our episodes. Well, I was just going to say, hey, fam, it's always fun to um, connect on our podcast because we know there's a lot of you tuning in and we are really excited to have this conversation today. Um, Actually, it feels like we're meeting a new friend and we love when we get to meet new people on the podcast. Well, and it's all about a perspective, right? We all have our own walks of life and we love having different points of view on the show in terms of youth development because we know what we know and we love to paint a full picture. And in order to paint a full picture, we like to say we're taking all of our WTF moments and turning them into lessons. 
we need to get different voices involved in the conversation. And I think the reason we're excited to have this conversation today is based on our backgrounds. Um, both Jill and I's moms were teachers. My mom just retired this year after I think 26 years in different areas in the classroom. I mean, she taught first grade, second grade, third grade, history, science, math. It was, it was funny to see where she stepped up and what she did in accordance with where she was needed because that in and of itself provided her with a ton of different perspectives. Yeah. She ended her career being um, the English as a second language teacher in a small town in Kansas. And I think that was probably one of her favorite roles because of the language barrier and the overcoming of just helping kids who were new to the country learn an entire different language and learn how to advocate for themselves on their own. I had never seen her more lit up from doing that. Mm -hmm. So with that said, on the other end of the screen today is a 20 year tenured teacher as well, specifically within the role of social emotional learning. So Laura, Miss Laura Bean, hello and welcome to What's the Lesson? We're so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am an English language development teacher, by the way. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I mean, the commonalities just keep this, coming out. I was just going to say this <laughs> podcast was meant to be. This relationship was supposed to be built. Well, um, we would love to hear, I mean, just before we even pressed record, we were learning so much about you that I would love for you to share a little bit more with our listeners. So can you share a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I am a high school teacher uh, living here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And as I said, I work with English learners and have been uh, incorporating uh, mindfulness into my classrooms uh, for probably about the past five to seven years and uh, have just have found a way to, to integrate uh, academic reading and writing skills with social emotional learning, mindfulness and self-compassion practices. So I'm just really excited to, to share it with a, a broader audience. I mean, you're speaking all of the buzzwords that we love to talk on this podcast, mindfulness, social, emotional learning, academics, high school. <laughs> How many of you, when she said she was a high school teacher, thought, bless that woman. Oh, she's an angel. <laughs> she's an angel. Um, I, I love that you have contrast in terms of when you implemented mindfulness more so within your classrooms. So can we unpack that? We're obviously going to dive deeper on that throughout this episode. But I would love to know right off the bat what your motivation was for beginning to incorporate mindfulness within what you were doing with your curriculum. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I was uh, I began developing it uh, when I was teaching uh, middle school and um, I just uh, felt that there was just such a tremendous need because of, uh, you know, the dysregulation that I witnessed in the classroom, the despondency um, and hearing students whispering to each other about drive by shootings that had happened the night before in their neighborhood. I mean, there was just uh, so much trauma and so much need to, you know, hold ourselves 
and each other in a in a space of of care and uh, and I and in trying to build relationships with the students because I said you know it's all about relationship and in I felt that uh, with the curriculum that I was being asked to teach it was like it was just it wasn't possible and I really wanted to. Uh, be able to give students a voice, be able to to share their emotional lives and welcome them into the classroom. I just love that so much. And I'm going to ask some questions to learn a little bit more around what you saw in the classroom. The first thing that came to mind when you were sharing that was how incredible teachers are. I think that um, teachers have such a tough job because not only are you getting, um, I mean, you have to perform to different district standards and state standards, but you also have to perform for the school and your administration, but then you layer on parents and there's different children's dynamics and needs and you have to accommodate. And there's, there's so much on teachers' plates that I truly think that you are superheroes. So first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for being the type of teacher that I know every parent wants, that a teacher to say, you know what, I want to make a difference in these kids' lives. And right now, I'm noticing that the curriculum that I'm teaching doesn't really suit what they need to learn or how do i how do i make my classroom look different feel different by challenging probably the status quo because mm-hmm. um again teachers are asked to i mean that's how you um that's how you learned how to become a teacher is through student teaching and you this is how you make a lesson plan and then you follow the lesson plan so um for you to like see that there was a need there to say, I want to change it is so, it's, it's just beautiful to call out. And um, were you allowed to do that at first? Like, did your principal give you the freedom to, to explore and play within your classroom? Or did you just go in and ask for forgiveness later? Um, I think some of both, but I did have a, a, a very supportive principal who really believed in mindfulness and saw the trauma in the students that we were working with. And uh, so basically I got a green light from her. We did have a, you know, a, a, a set, you know, suggested curriculum. Yeah. I mean, the, the deeper that we got into, into the school year, I just realized, you know, that this is just, this is too important and that, and that social emotional learning, you know, rather than seeing it as something that we, that's in addition to the, uh, to the curriculum or the school day, um, that it is really the foundation of all learning. So I really see it as it's, it's, towards the bottom of, you know, it's like kind of the bottom of the pyramid, you know, and then the, the rigor, uh, the, the academic excellency that we're looking for that that's at the top, but social emotional learning is the foundation of that. So students feel like they feel comfortable to take risks, you know, in school and be willing to make mistakes and being able to, you know, listen to their negative self-talk and and um, and offer themselves self-compassion. So the mm-hmm. curriculum that I've developed weaves social uh, weaves self-compassion. You know, really throughout it. So. 
We were having a conversation with someone else who's deep in the work of social emotional learning as well. And she phrased it as it's the plate in which everything else sits on top of. Mm. If that plate's not there, everything else is in disarray. So we're mm. asking our kids to come to school and perform well on a math test when they just mm -hmm. had a fight with their parents, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of emotional dysregulation that happens mm -hmm. there and asking them whose brains are not fully developed to come in and perform mm -hmm. in that way is a nearly impossible task. Mm -hmm. So I love hearing that you obviously felt so strongly about the way we feel in terms of how important social emotional learning is that you took a step for it to be implemented more so where it needed to be within your day to day. Mm -hmm. Because what we feel like right now is that because teachers plates are so full, we're asking them to go alongside of what the standards are and do this and do this and do this. It feels like social emotional learning gets pushed to the absolute last thing on their to-do list because they view it as just another thing mm -hmm. that they need to check off the list. And right. that's where Jill and I really decided to launch this company because we were the girls in middle school and high school that were dysregulated that mm -hmm. needed a little bit more emotional guidance and mm -hmm. waking up at 35 years old realizing mm -hmm. that these were the keys to the kingdom that mm -hmm. understanding <laughs> yeah yeah we could flip mm -hmm. our negative self-talk on its head and challenge mm -hmm. our beliefs and be our own best friend rather than tearing ourselves down I'm not going to say we learned it too late because there's no such thing as learning mm -hmm. something too late. However, we looked back and realized that at 14, 17, 25, that if we had these conversations and that we had these skills and tools earlier, we would have been able to bounce back from failure or share what we were going through more openly in order to get it off our chest. And that has been an absolute game changer for us in our 30s so much so that we wanted to turn around and gift that to the younger version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear, you've really conducted a science experiment, to be honest, you've had, you have five to seven years now of data. What was it like before implementing your curriculum versus what it's like now? What are the stark differences that you've seen in the students that you've worked with? I would just say that it's really about joy. Um, it's about joyful play and creative self-expression. And I'll, I'll say, you know, start with myself first. I mean, uh, sharing poetry, which is, you know, a, a deep love and creative writing. I mean, these come out of my, you know, my own, my own personal journey and, uh, sharing poetry and, and creative writing helped me get out of bed on Monday morning, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I, I first started by sharing my, you know, mindful Mondays and looking at at Mondays as a place for inspiration uh, to for all of us, you know, to slowly ease into into the school week, you know, and um, like I said, it's just for me being able to just come from my passion, share that with my students and give them an opportunity uh, to write and share from their their own experience. So I, I would just say that the, uh, in terms of building relationship and and understanding where my students were coming from and being able to have, you know, calm conversations, you know, out in the hall with, uh, 
just inquiring about, you know, how's it going and what's, you know, what's, what's going on with you and not in a judgmental mm-hmm. way or a reactive way, but, but being able to come from a place of curiosity and wanting to know. And, and for myself, you know, a much more calm and regulated place, you know, I felt like mindfulness at school is so important for me, you know, and it's not just for Mondays. Uh, it's for, it's for, you know, every, every moment of every day. Right. Um, so that's incredible. Um, and what I want to say in your share is that your approach combines reading and writing curriculum. So for those of us listening, if we're talking about curriculum, it's reading and writing and you allowing your students to express themselves through a different um, medium. Yeah, medium or modality, because a lot of times um, we can express ourselves through our words. We can um, we can listen to music as we can we can be physical as far as mindfulness, like getting on our yoga mat or meditating. But I love that your curriculum it, it combines reading and writing with teaching mindfulness. So for those parents or or adults tuning in who are like, okay, well, what? what the heck is mindfulness first and foremost? Mm -hmm. Let's invite them into this conversation around um, you explaining the topic around mindfulness if someone's Mm -hmm. listening for the first time. Okay, so um, thanks for for starting at the beginning, Um, mindfulness. Uh, So this is is a way to to calm our nervous system uh, through uh, turning our attention inward, through you know finding an anchor of attention whether it be the breath or sensation in the body or sights and sounds um, in the environment uh, to to bring our bodies and our mind together in one one place and this this helps uh, students to focus and to build the capacity to uh, deal with uh, challenging emotions and and choose their response uh, in the face of them rather than just to uh, react uh, in a habitual way. How can you give us an example of what this would look like with your students? So do you give them a prompt as far as um, you if they are writing, say we're say it is a Monday and it's a mindful Monday and today we're going to talk about or do you prompt them around what to write in order for them to um, get out of their head and into their body so that they can start practicing what mindfulness feels like? Mm-hmm. So um, usually each of the lessons begins with a quick write where students will, will write for five minutes uh, on, a, on the, the theme of the day and say, say the theme is, is self-compassion. Um, and uh, so then students will, will write about, you know, how, what their, what their self-talk is like, what they're aware of in, and, or, you know, how do they, how do they treat themselves in a, you know, in a difficult situation or so to, just to bring their, their, their background uh, knowledge and, and experience. Um, and then we move into a, a mindfulness uh, practice where uh, we, I always begin with movement and I have a background in yoga as well. And so, so there's always uh always a movement component, um, not to say that all the students do move, <laughs> but uh, you know, the invitation
invitation is there and 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 um i always do it i always do move you know and it it feels fabulous <laughs> Oh, that's such a good call out because I can see eye rolls happening on the other side of, of the, the microphone in terms of people listening to this going, yeah, good luck getting my kid to mm -hmm. get up and move. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty in it, right? We discover what we need to discover when we need to discover it. So you're planting seeds for them. You're giving them an mm -hmm. opportunity to explore it mm -hmm. and whether they take advantage of the opportunity in the moment mm -hmm. or they put it in their pocket and they take advantage of it at a later date for mm -hmm. them when they really understand how it's going to impact who they are is cool. Mm -hmm. So parents, just because your kid doesn't go gung ho and full force into the modality right away, doesn't mean that they've completely written it off forever. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I, I would not have done yoga in, in a high school class. I mm -hmm. was that girl who opposed pretty much everything that my teachers mm -hmm. brought um besides my creative writing teacher i love creative <laughs> writing and i literally had lunch with her every single day like she was my person the adult that mm -hmm. i could trust so i mm -hmm. love i love that you're that for so many other kids and mm -hmm. I found yoga at a later point in my life. I love mm -hmm. a good movement session now, but I needed mm -hmm. to really understand what it could do for me rather than pretending like I was somebody else's puppeteer, right? Yeah, well, right. I, I can see you planting the seeds. What do the mm -hmm. kids call you? Um, my name? Your, um, your, yeah, do they call you by your last name? Do they call you? Yeah, uh, yeah, they call me okay. Miss Bean. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Yeah. Because, you know, I just like imagine being like, <laughs> you know, Miss Bean's making us do yoga over here or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the cool part is you're making a lasting impression. Mm -hmm. I can recall all of my favorite high school teachers and I guarantee you what you're teaching them, they're not, they're not gonna remember their AP history test or a certain exam mm -hmm. or, you know, the stress around, you know, the, school in the, general. The, the little things that school offers you know to a high school student what they're going to remember is what you taught them to make them a better person mm -hmm. so yes do we want our kids to participate with us of course we do but you're planting the seeds for them to continue to nurture and water and develop as they grow into who they're supposed to be exactly who they're meant to be yeah um, with the development of this curriculum, you've had the ability to test it within your own classrooms. Where else is your curriculum living? Where is it living, breathing, alive and well? Have you had the opportunity to give it to other schools, districts, teachers for them to be able to utilize it as well? Um, it, it just came out in March. Um, so it's, it's pretty much brand new and, um, you know, I'm just working step by step on outreach, uh, and uh, am hoping to to connect through, uh, you know, attending conferences and and doing my own outreach to districts. But so far, it's really just yeah, it's just kind of the first the first steps. I mean, I'm I'm hoping to do some professional development uh, with teachers at my school. You know, finding a way for them to uh, you know to experiment with it. But yeah, it is, it's kind of the beginning.
That's oh, I mean, seriously, congratulations. Um, it's literally probably like giving birth. You have a living, breathing thing out into the world that you've spent years working on and honing in on. So congratulations. That's a really, really, really big, awesome step. And it's putting it out there for the world to judge as well. So that can feel very vulnerable. But what I also want to point out in that is you're allowing kids to see you go through the process so they have permission to do the same thing. So not only have you given them permission to express themselves in a way that can help them regulate their emotions and their thoughts and and what they're feeling, but you're also giving them permission to be a beginner. This curriculum might not be new to you in terms of the length you've worked with it, but the process of duplicating it and giving it to other districts and teachers is a new process for you Mm -hmm. and you're going to have trial and error and you're probably going to experience rejection and heartache and great success and happy moments and i can only imagine being one of your students in this moment to see you go through and have you share around the process of what it is like being an entrepreneur as well as being a teacher, because Mm -hmm. what we know around this generation, this Gen Z generation is they are all about the entrepreneurial mindset and working (laughs) for themselves and creating their own path in this life. And that Mm -hmm. is admirable. And it pays to see someone else go first Mm -hmm. so they can ask questions and just have an example of someone else doing it before they go out and do it. Because as easeful as it looks online and on TikTok and on Instagram, it's not, it's hard, it's hard work. Mm. It takes perseverance. It takes getting up after you fall down. It takes getting doors slammed in your face to get to that one yes. Mm. Um, and they, they need to see that lived out loud in someone close to them. So bravo for going first. Mm. Thank you. So your, your curriculum is called right to the core and it's W-R-I-T-E. I love a good play on words. And um, if you were to share a little bit of your curriculum with our audience, like if if parents are leaning into this, if people are, are intrigued by this conversation, what do you want them to know or how do they practice this with their children? Is it, is it first teaching them about mindfulness? Do you have anything to offer parents through um, you launching this curriculum, like a downloadable resource? Where can you teach parents around where they can start with their children? Mm -hmm. So the most important thing, uh, whether or not, you know, teachers or parents um, ever teach their kids mindfulness is to practice their own, have their own practice of mindfulness. Amen. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, for, for, for the adults in the room, uh, to, to begin, um, slowing down, taking time to pause and turn their attention inward and find out what's going on with them and being able to hold that, you know, so, so that is, that is always, um, you know, always my first, first recommendation, in terms of uh, sharing the lessons with students, uh, somebody who has a passion for for poetry, uh, who has a passion for uh, create creativity and creative self expression, uh, this just bringing this enthusiasm with you um, it is uh, is really 
really what's most important, you know, just to be passionate, to be passionate about it. These are my passions. And I, you know, I, I don't know about how, how it's to be replicated with, you know, for other teachers, you know, um, I've tried to, I've tried to keep the lessons really uh, straightforward and, and accessible. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's 12 lessons, there's 12 different poems that, that are uh, in the, in the curriculum. So, so that teachers and parents can pick and choose the ones that really speak to them and then be able to share those. Uh, but there are like kind of four overarching themes uh, in the book, which are, you know, around identity, um, self-compassion, what mindfulness is and the value of, of, of stopping. And, you know, Pablo Neruda's uh, Keeping Quiet is a very uh, famous poem about that um, that's in the curriculum. And, and then... Um, offering empathy and compassion to others. So like I said, teachers and parents can pick and choose uh, poems that relate to each of those themes. That's incredible. And what I what I love about who you are, where you are, the experience that you've lived out is it's very different than Jill and I's lived experience, yet we've all come to this same conclusion around what people need to be successful. And I'm sure our lots of different people have different opinions on that, but at the root of our success, at the root of us getting out of our own way are those pillars that you just named, empathy, mm -hmm. compassion, mindfulness. We have to be able to go within and understand what's going on within our body and our mind if we're gonna be able to work our way healthfully through this life. And I just, I love being able to find other people out there in the world doing this work because we can get so eyes down head forward thinking that gosh it's so big and how are we going to make the impact that we want to make truth is we don't have to do it alone and mm -hmm. this podcast has given us such an incredible opportunity to meet more people like you laura in the work that you're doing based on your own lived experience. And I just, I, I love that as a call out because so much of what you just said is integrated into the lesson plans and curriculum, if you will, of girls mentorship and what we really try to convey to the girls and the families that we work with as well. Mm, that's wonderful. We're curious, a, a few more questions. My mm -hmm. mind is just like, I'm like, this is so cool. If I were to, cause I'm also a mom, Mm -hmm. um, a mom of two boys and in their school, they do have a social emotional learning specialist, which I'm really grateful for, who also goes into classrooms to support teachers. However, those are the positions that are quickly getting cut by, um, by the districts if funding isn't, isn't available. So, um, what I'm mindful of is, again, I, I love when my teachers that my children have, um, have an understanding of what social emotional learning is if um, their SEL teacher does not come in to support them in the classroom. Um, but as a parent, I find that to your point, I have to practice my, I, I have to have my own practice first. But mm. if I were to look into your resource, your book around right to the core, your curriculum, um, and you said that there's different lessons that can really resonate with certain parents or teachers. And if I found one that that really spoke to what my kids need or how I want them to practice, 
is it is it self-guided? Is there additional questions that I prompt them with? Um, how do we do it together? Or is this more, is it more self-guided? Do we, can we do it as a family? Is it self-guided? I'd love to learn a little bit more about kind of how as a family, we can continue to practice what you've created together. Mm. I've never been asked this question before um, for, for a parent to, to uh, lead and uh, work with it, uh, work with the lessons. So, um, you know, there is a, there's a mindfulness uh, or self-compassion script in each of the lessons. So normally, you know, that's something that the, the teacher uh, reads and then the, the poem um, and the students are in that kind of meditative space and, and just receiving the words and there are worksheets. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's great to to work together. Um, you know, the first the first activity is like a, a after doing the mindfulness practice is a listening activity where the students fill in the missing words from from the poem. Like I pull I pulled out some of the key vocabulary and um, and, you know, this is particularly relevant for English learners, but, um, you know, for, for all students that are, you know, struggling readers and may have a more limited vocabulary um, to really to, to talk about the vocabulary first, then they listen to the poem being read a second time and filling in the missing words. And they love that. It's kind of like a called a closed listening activity. Um, so, so that's the first thing. And then there are uh, text-dependent questions uh, that where they talk about using context clues and citing textual evidence. So I was very mindful that it 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 met academic uh, core standards as well. Yeah, and then choosing a play sheet that they want to want to uh, use. There's a basic and intermediate and advanced level uh, play sheet for them to try their hand at writing their own version of the poem. There's also prompts for personal to write a personal narrative if they like, or just taking their favorite line from the poem and and just doing a free write, you know, based on what what spoke to them. So there's I like I like to offer you know to give a lot of options different options absolutely yeah well and I'm sorry for throwing you for a loop when I said uh, well and deep down Mary and I really are teachers we're just not in a classroom setting so I mm. find curriculum I it's one of my passions mm. I love curriculum and what <laughs> curriculum teaches me is also parenting so mm. if what I'm what I'm inspired by this conversation is just. I, I'm always thinking, okay, what what lessons can we extract from from those around us to plug into girls mentorship? But how do I also utilize this as a parent? Because if my kiddo's learning it in your classroom, let's just say, um, I want to know how I can continue the conversation at home, or if they found it to be really um, helpful in regulating their emotions. How can I use that as a tool at home for them? to express themselves as well. So just maybe mm -hmm. food for thought for you around having something for mm -hmm. parents. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest barriers for us is we spend, so we're, depending on when this episode airs, we just finished um, summer camps. So we had mm -hmm. three weeks worth of summer camps, um, a week with each. So this last session we had 35 girls for about 35 hours of social emotional learning curriculum. and. If the parents aren't privy to the conversations or the information, or they're the ones not practicing mindfulness themselves, 
than the time, effort, energy, and work we just put into having these conversations with these girls mm -hmm. kind of falls on deaf ears because they go back to what is habitual for them, which mm -hmm. they spend most of their time in their household. So they revert back to the behaviors and dialogues they're having at home with mom and dad who haven't had a conversation about social emotional learning or who haven't practiced mm -hmm. mindfulness. So it's easier for them to fall in line with that as opposed to implementing a new way of being. Mm -hmm. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I have had uh, students that, you know, take what they learn, you know, around mindfulness in my classroom and, and take it home and share it with their family, you know? So I think uh, encouraging that, I mean, I see like putting those, you know, the poems that they write, putting those on the refrigerator, uh, sharing those with their adults. They're in the class, in the, uh, in the home, their parents and yeah, you know, sharing the original poems with their parents. Oh, no, it's it's great. The work you're doing, especially being that you're in the heart of, of a school and a classroom, um, it matters. Your, what you're doing, your lived experience, all of it matters so much. Um, as we begin to wrap this conversation up, we'd love to ask our guests one final question. Um, given the name of the podcast, it's What's the Lesson? So we like to take all of our WTF moments, the mm -hmm. things that we didn't expect, and turn them into lessons for ourselves. Because oftentimes when we look back, we can understand more so of why something happened or why we were put in a certain position or things like that. So we'd love to hear from you in a few sentences what one of your greatest lessons in this work has been. You know, I would just say I, I, I've just been blown away by what students have written and the places that students have gone uh, within themselves and, you know, what they have shared. Um, and like, I do have an example of a, of a student poem um, that's just about nine, nine lines long, uh, if, if you'd be oh, willing. Absolutely. To, yeah, okay. We would love that. This student uh, was a 12th grader and uh, was definitely, was, you know, college bound and a high achiever. And she also was dealing with uh, some really tough stuff around uh, her father leaving leaving her family. And I learned about this through what through her writing. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was based on a, on a, a poem that's a, quite a lengthy poem. It's about sixty lines long, called "Revenge," by Taha Muhammad Ali, a Palestinian poet. She wrote this poem uh, entitled "Father." At times, I wish I could skin him alive while he watches. The man who made me unable to accept love and preoccupied his life with everything but me. But if it came to light when the man appeared that he had a niece who loved to FaceTime every night and a mother who depended on him, then I would not harm him, even if I could. I mean, wow. straight to the core. <laughs> And I was really, I can't imagine you reading that for the first time, especially with that opening line, because what I have gained experience on in terms of this work is we don't give our kids enough credit. Mm -hmm. We don't think they're capable of understanding or feeling or doing when realistically they're some of the biggest feelers on this planet. And if mm -hmm. those nine lines didn't indicate that, I, I don't know what mm -hmm. would. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. um, 
Do you allow your students to read them out loud or is this truly just introspective? This is for them. Um, um, no, I, I definitely in, encourage them to, to read, uh, read their work. I, I'm, I, I'm very, uh, you know, very aware and that they may not like, may not want to. And, uh, you know, it's always, always their choice and, you know, respecting their privacy is, is so important, you know, Absolutely. so, um, yeah. but um yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful when you can have those uh, those students that are willing that are willing to take a risk and be a, a role model for other students as well, you know, and share their share their work. Oh, I totally so. agree, and I I love too that poetry or creative writing allows people, and I'm going to speak from a place of I because I always considered myself not creative. Um, and I didn't know that writing was an outlet for me to be creative. Um, and I found that the more that I write, um, whether it's through journaling or emails or stuff that we do in our business, it is a place of creativity. And two weeks ago, we were asked to write um, a poem from a group of um, individuals that we um, are a part of. It's It's a community that Mary and I are building um, a mental health app with, and um, it was an icebreaker around writing a, a poem. And I was like, I can't, I've never written a poem before. Mm. And under a quick prompt, I that was- shows how much she paid attention in her <laughs> high school creative writing class, because we were asked to write a lot of poems. I know, I probably <laughs> cheated because that was me as a high schooler. Um, but this, I, just like the words came out, it was mm. incredible. And then I read it out loud, and I was so proud of what I wrote and everyone was like, wow, that was profound mm. and deep. And the, the um, just the the proudness and the, the feeling of confidence that I felt in that moment. Mm. I can't imagine that those kids that you um, that are in your classrooms and are a part of this curriculum feel at such a young age. I mean, I'm double double their age and I felt that. So mm. how beautiful for you to to see just. I mean, probably the the, the ins range. and the outs and the depths of these kids. It's what a what a beautiful lesson for you as a, as their teacher. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Laura, this has been such an incredible conversation. For those of you interested in learning more, we'll have all of where people can find you in our show notes. And really honestly, thanks for tying a bow on that by reading that last that piece beautiful. of of literature that masterpiece i can only imagine what that student has gone on to do so until next time you guys we'll see you on another episode of what's the lesson thanks so much for tuning in to what's the lesson if you're feeling the same i can do anything attitude that we are here's how you can keep the momentum going spread the good vibes share this episode with your friends family or give us a shout out on your social media Fancy a trip to iTunes Town? We're all ears for your ratings and reviews. Seriously, we read each one of them. Your thoughts are like gold to us. Lastly, let's be friends. Hang out with us on social media for more awesome content and behind the scenes action. And until we meet again, remember our golden rule. Turning those WTF moments into WTL moments is a superpower. Practice is always progress. And you've got this.